Hi, everyone. My name is Dan Hughes. I'm the president of Segmental Systems. I'm a hardscape contractor out of Spokane, Washington, and I am a hardscaper. What's happening, hardscapers? This is episode 204 of the How to Hardscape podcast, where we talk about how you can start and grow your hardscaping business. And on today's episode, we have another I am a hardscaper interview with Dan Hughes of Segmental Systems. We kind of ditched the usual line of questions for when I do these I am a hardscaper interviews. So this is a really interesting one for you to tune into throughout but before we get into that, we want to thank our sponsors, Cycle CPA. If you need bookkeeping, accounting, CFO services, reach out to Cycle CPA. Let them know how to hardscape sent you for $200 off their services there. And they are at cyclecpa.com, as well as our GPS tracking sponsor, GPS Track It. If you need GPS tracking for your work vehicle's equipment, head on over to gpstrackit.com slash how to hardscape. And we'll talk more about both of those sponsors later in today's episode but without further ado let's get into our episode here with dan hughes all right dan let's get started to get to know a little bit more about you yourself how you got started in the industry kind of what brought you to starting your own business let's start with that that beginning context of your beginnings into this industry here okay so um it's a it's kind of an interesting story i uh my cousins used to come over and uh at Christmas time, and they'd stay with me when I lived with my parents. Um, I was in high school, and one of my cousins is about three years older than me, and he's bragging about how much money he's making in construction. And I'm like, I'm an impressionable high school kid, right? And I'm thinking, oh, how much money is he making? Oh, this is ridiculous, man. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do something like that. So at the time, I was washing dishes at a restaurant for minimum wage, you know. And I was like, I was a junior in high school, and I'm like, this sucks. I gotta get out of this. And uh, so I just. Started going down the list. I don't know how to roof. I don't know how to frame. I'm, you know, I don't know that much about construction, but, you know, in my previous job, you know, I had done a little bit of repaired some sprinklers and done some lawn mowing and, and some different stuff like that. I was actually working at a, at a maintenance at a, at a, at a local gun club, you know, shooting range. And um, so I'm like, okay, I can try landscaping. So I knocked on a couple of doors and, and, and I had a guy, he's like, when you on spring break and i said uh you know week after next he's like come see me next week and so boom i end up in end up landscaping i worked for him for all week and then i i'm landscaping after school and uh to condense this down a little bit i end up in the landscaping business and uh, so i'm doing landscape construction not really not really any maintenance stuff like that but uh and I'm in and out of college for the next, you know, I worked for him for like nine years in and out of college. And I got to pay my own way through college. And my goals in life were to be a cop. And, uh, you know, we, we end up going a different direction, obviously. But uh, so nine years into this, this guy's getting a divorce. He's going to lose the business. The handwriting's on the wall. And so I'm like, okay, I got to get out of here. My paychecks are bouncing. It's like, it's time to go. And uh, uh, I ended up um, as a tried to make a step in my career path. I ended up as a prison guard, you know, step one to try and get into, in, into, into law enforcement. And, uh, lo and behold, um, the, uh, there's actually a guy that owns segmental systems before me. Um, he had done a patio for this landscaper and the landscaper wasn't paying him. And he knocks on the door and he's like, you know, Kirk was a, he had a gruff voice. He's a, he's an intimidating dude. He's like, Hey, you're going to pay me you owe me money. I'm taking a truck. I'm taking something. And so, uh, uh, Kirk walked away with all the snowplow accounts and I had the, I had my own truck, my own plow. So I'm working at the prison. I'm plowing snow for Kirk. Um, 
the original owner of segmental systems and uh and you know he says hey you want to come to work for me and and we tried it out and um you know then he said hey i want to move to california you want to buy me out and so he moved back to california uh worked in a block plant down there and so his business was six years old when I bought it in 1998. So all of a sudden, boom, I'm a hardscaper. Awesome. That's awesome. And let's pick this apart a little bit here. And starting with that, that end part that you said there, where you, you, where you purchased segmental systems, uh, when you go mm-hmm. ahead and purchase it, uh, what were you purchasing? Is it mostly like the assets that were involved in that business? Or do you get like a, a client list from segmental systems or a lead list? Like what goes into actually knowing what you're purchasing and what you wanted to purchase it for? The purchase price wasn't a, I mean, at the time when I was 28 years old, it was a significant amount of money. I mean, I took, you know, I had to mortgage out what I had equity in my house. Um, um, luckily my, my, in-laws had enough faith in me so they they took out a, a second mortgage on their house i sold my dirt bike and and you know i liquidated everything i could to to come up with as much money as i could and at the time it was uh at the time it was two trucks bobcat trailer bobcat um uh an equipment trailer an equipment trailer being a tool trailer um and um, you know, all the hardscaping, not all the hardscaping tools, but, you know, a good majority of, of, of hardscaping tools. I mean, we had a, this, the, the sand max screeder, paper carts, um, all of the key tools that, that a guy needed to, to successfully run a hardscape business. And so I think there was about, about eighty eighty four thousand $84,000 worth of, uh, tools and equipment that we could, that we could put together. And of course the bank loans, uh, I think they were loaning. 75% of that value and then everything above and beyond that was blue sky. And so I could get most of that money. And then Kirk ended up carrying the contract um, and I made payments to him um, until, until we got him paid off. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. So what was it like taking that leap of faith into uh, now becoming a business owner? What was on your mind? What were the thoughts going through and um and how did you make it work to get to where you are today here? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, when, when I got that phone call from Kirk, I was working, I was working graveyard shift at the prison. I tell you, if you ever worked in a prison, it's the most miserable place to be. The people that live there are miserable. The people that work there are miserable. I mean, my wife was like, she was like, you are a miserable person. I'm like, yeah, I know. I, it's like, you know, I got two young kids at home. Um, uh, you know, I got a newborn and a, and a, and a three-year-old and, and I'm just, life is miserable. She's trying to keep the kids quiet so I can sleep during the day. And, you know, that's not easy to do with little kids. Um, but I wanted out of there so bad. It was like, I, 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 I needed out of there. And so I get this call at, you know, like 10 o'clock in the morning, Kirk calls me up and says, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm sleeping. <laughs> and he's like, call me back when you wake up. <laughs> so I, uh, I call him back and he says, you know, I want to move to California. Um, you know, you know, you want to buy me out. And, uh, so I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested. And, you know, I don't know, I didn't know much about business. I mean, I'd learned a little bit working for the landscape company that I was in. Um, not the business end of it more so as I knew how to do, you know, the work. 
which is entirely different, right? And I think that's why a lot of businesses fail is you know how to do the work, but the business end of it takes so much to learn. And uh, so I ended up uh, going to small business administration and they actually um, helped me get the loan. And I had, you know, I had to do a whole uh, business plan and, you know, research my competition. And there's a lot of hoops that I had to jump through in order for them to see that, you know, this is actually going to work. And uh, my wife was like, I don't know why you're doing this. You're wasting your time, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, right now it's my time to waste. So I'm going to do it. And once, you know, all the numbers came back and everything got in a line and then she was all on board. And so, you know, every once in a while I have to remind her, it's like, remember when you told me not to do this, you know, and, and, you know, we've been pretty successful at it ever since. So. Nice. So during that time, going to that small business association, uh, what were the things that kind of started to click in terms of now becoming a business owner? What are the things that you took away from that, that you were able to like immediately apply or build upon to, uh, to build segmental systems? Oh man, you know, I had to learn everything from the ground up. I mean, everything business wise from the ground up, I had to learn. And so it was, you know, I think I was reading a lot of books and, and Kirk was a great mentor because I didn't just buy it cold turkey from him. So as soon as um, <clears throat> as soon as we started the process, uh, I started I was working. I was working nonstop. I as soon as I said, OK, I'm going to I'm going to find this paperwork. I'm going to get this going. I started going to work for him two or three. I was working. I think I was end up working swing shift. So I go to work for him for like three or four hours um, before I go to work at the prison and just helping to, to learn stuff along the way. And so I got a lot of, um, he, he mentored me really good, did a, did a good job. Um, and then <clears throat> once my loan got, once my loan was a hundred percent approved, boom, I'm out of that prison. I got, I, I got out of there. I'm working for him full time um, for, I think it was about a month. And then, we changed owners and all he did was hand me his cell phone and, and my wife started, you know, running all the books and, you know, and Kirk's wife ran the books. So she trained my wife on how to do it. And Kirk gave me all the ins and outs of on the field, sorry, in the field, um, showed me how to bid, um, you know, knowing what your overhead is, <clears throat> how much you need to bid these jobs for. And, and, and also, we'd look at jobs and he's like, you know what, this job kind of sucks. You know, if we're going to do this job, we're going to charge more. Right. You know? And so that helped having a lot of that, a lot of that insight along the way. So, I mean, it's definitely overwhelming and it's a, it was a, it was a gigantic step, but um, definitely worth it. I just, what you said there resonated with me with the, uh, this is a bad job. So we're going to charge more for it because, uh, most people yeah. or at least I had to learn the hard way with that one for sure. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> with that being said, uh, moving along with that transition period, um, what, what did you learn from Kirk and, uh, starting off in that business? What did you learn that you kind of went a different direction? What, what were some things that you took from Kirk, but you decided, you know what, I'm going to take the business in this direction as opposed to following what Kirk was saying in here, or even expanding upon that. What are some things that you've learned since then that you've kind of built upon and made it your own within segmental systems? You know, I so said Kirk had it for six years. Um, 
and his background was um, in the paper manufacturing business. And uh, so he he did it on his own one day, just said, I'm done and went out and charged, you know, plate compactors, everything on his credit card and said, all right, I'm a hardscaper. And and when that happened, uh, I think Kirk did that in 1992, if I remember right. Um, you know, he was he was naturally um, in the area regarded as 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 the guy to go to for pavers. And so I kind of followed right in his footsteps. And even though I took over, um, a lot of people didn't know. It didn't know. It's just, okay, Kirk's in the sidelines. Kirk's, you know, Kirk's gone. So I really walked into a, a position where we were, we were always, I mean, we have always been regarded as the best in our area when it comes to, to hardscaping. And, uh, you know, Kirk had won a national, um, a national award uh, for a driveway that he had done and which really helped push him, um, put his name on the map. Um, it was on the cover of, uh, well, the, the magazine that ICPI puts out, uh, it was interlock concrete magazine. It was on the, it was on the cover of that as an award-winning, um, uh, driveway. Um, and that was probably 93 or 94. So he just did that a couple of years in. So so going off of uh, a couple of things that you've mentioned there. So I want to touch on overhead and I want to touch on awards there. Uh, starting with overhead, you mentioned that right off the bat, Kirk was telling you about overhead and what you need to recoup on projects to get that, which is like a huge step forward in terms of understanding business and being able to price jobs correctly. Um, have, have you changed in the way you've priced jobs ever since then? Or do you kind of still keep that same sort of overhead recovery system that he uh, taught you? Or have you evolved since then? What is the pricing strategy for you? I mean, over the years, our overhead has gone up and it's gone down. Um, you know, at, when, 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 we were, when we started out, you know, we had loans. And as we were, um, as we were growing along the way, our, um, you know, we had some equipment loans and we had some truck loans and stuff here and there. Um, but we're at a point right now where we don't have loans on any, on any equipment. We, we don't, we don't borrow money to run the business. Everything we do, we can finance ourselves. Um, so that takes our overhead numbers. Technically it takes our overhead numbers down a little bit, but we still operate as if we were making payments on all that equipment. So we're, we're basically um, in the, in the, in the background, socking money away for future purchases for equipment, right? Because just because something's paid for now, I mean, it's going to break down. You're going to have to replace it. You don't, you, you want to be planning ahead for all that ahead of time. And so, you know, we constantly um, look at our overhead, what it is, um, you know, and I, and I, I don't bid jobs just to recoup how much this much overhead. My target is more. How much more can I recover? And so we're 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 shooting for for higher numbers than what's expected because you know you do have the 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 truck that breaks down or the you know the transmission that goes out and there's a lot of repairs that you end up with along the way and you know the downtime often costs more than the cost of the repair so having having that money set aside is is huge for that i want to interrupt this episode to talk to you about gps track it 
When it comes to running a landscaping business, the question isn't what do you do, but what don't you do? If it's not a customer that needs your attention, it's one of your drivers or one of your vehicles. But you already know that GPS TrackIt exists to help you know more than what you already know, like the most efficient routes to maximize your service potential, like whether or not your vehicles and crews are where they're supposed to be like how to save unnecessary fuel costs and other costs. And we're going to be covering the benefits of GPS tracking in the future on this podcast. So we're going to continue with the benefits of GPS tracking, but we'll let our fleet advisors give you the full picture. Call 866-693-1291 or go to gpstrackit.com slash how to hardscape. Once again, that's 866-693-1291 or go to gpstrackit.com slash how to hardscape. Link will be in the show notes. And then getting into awards. So you mentioned Kirk had already gotten that award. And since then, it's uh, judging by your portfolio, you've accumulated more and more awards. You've become more and more involved in the actual industry itself. Sticking with awards right now, how how important is it to you and what what do you and segmental systems get from seeking out those awards, such as the HA Installer Award and all these awards? Uh what what does that do for you, your business, and the importance of doing that and seeking those out? That's really uh, it's 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 a great question. So um kind of a, a little bit of of I don't want to make this too long or drawn out, but um, so since, you know, I bought, I bought segmental systems in 1998, right. Is when I took it over. And so for years, you know, we plotted along, did our thing, installed, you know, pavers, did everything we could, got educated, you know, did the best job that we could possibly do. And I had seen, um, probably about 2014 or so. I had seen uh, in, you know, a magazine, the winner of the paver competition at Hardscape North America. And I thought, oh, man, that'd be so cool to go there and see how we measure up against against other guys. Because, you know, in my area, there isn't, I mean, you have no competition, but everybody's your competitor. And what I mean by that is every landscaper is doing pavers, right? But they're doing it out of the, you know, uh, out of the back of pickup trucks. They don't have the right compactors. They don't have the right education. They're just... You know, a lot of them aren't even using base. They're screen sand, throwing stuff down. So, um, a real quality hardscape comp, um, comp competitors in my area um, are are few and far in between. So, in uh, 2016, I get a call from uh, um, one of the paver reps over in the Seattle area, and he says, "Dan, you want to come over and uh, and and be a judge for this event that's going on?" And I'm like, "Eh." Yeah, let me, uh, you know, send me over the information and I'll, and I'll take a look at it. So he sends it over to me and I'm like, I was like, sorry, bud. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to judge. I want to compete. And what it was is it was the, it was the Pacific Northwest regional qualifier. Um, and it was the paver competition that qualifies you to go to H&A and compete. And so we, uh, we take a team of guys, we go to Seattle and we compete there and we blew everybody away. I mean, I don't want to, I want, I want, you know, brag or sound arrogant or anything, but 
and honestly it wasn't even close <laughs> um <laughs> so it uh which really that gathered a lot of attention from the 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 manufacturers that were there and and, and the people that were there and they're like okay wow this guy you know and this 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 team of guys has really got something going on so first prize there was we won a trip to go to louisville kentucky and compete nice. and so we went to uh hardscape north america and um we competed in the in the in the paver uh competition there and we finished fifth place by one point uh or sorry finished fifth fifth place we missed the championship round by one point and um it was very kind of discouraging because it's like we had our pad um you know that we lay out in the preliminary round was perfect except for one thing um i rotated the herringbone pattern 90 degrees because the way i started it it was closer to the pallets and so it made it easier to lay and I got docked really hard on that because uh, I got docked like 35 points for having my pad rotated the wrong direction because now all the corners, the pieces that were supposed to be in the corners, everything, it just, it was wrong. Um, but as far as square level, everything, my pad was, it was great. So, um, you know, uh, you learn, you learn. So um, the top four teams is what goes to the championship round. And so again, so again, following year 2017, we go to, we go there back to uh seattle win that competition punches our ticket to go to, to nationals they sent us to, to the national competition again 2017 and we finished fifth place again and i'm like okay well you know what fifth place isn't so bad but we're just i mean we were so close like we we're two points from making the championship round again it's like oh man we're so close and uh but so by this time actually though i've been getting some you know, some people at ICPI, the judges that were there, um, there's a lot of people that are starting to get familiar with us. And I was starting to pick up more classes now teaching, you know, ICPI classes and stuff along the way. And so I was starting to get some, some, some good notoriety. So 2018, I get a phone call, Hey, they canceled the competition in Seattle because you're the only one that signed up. So I called, uh, I called my, my uh, regional sales manager at Bellgard and said, Hey, you know, they canceled the competition. And he says, well, I didn't know that. And I was like, yeah, they just got a phone call that they canceled. And he's like, well, we're spo helping sponsor that. I'm like, well, you want to sponsor a team to go to H and a. And he says, let me call my boss. 10 minutes later, he calls me back. He says, how much money you need? We'll send you. And I'm like, yes. And, uh, <clears throat> so, um, you know, we, I put together a budget, presented it to him, which was less money than what they were going to spend helping sponsor the, the Pacific Northwest competition. So they send us to H&A, and um, that was the first year we won. It was 2018. And uh, so then, you know, along with that comes more notoriety, um, which is, I mean, it's it's good. I'm starting to, you know, there's more and more people that are starting to take notice of, of who you are and and how good you guys are and uh so then price package there we come back 2000 um 2019 um back to h a and we backed up our win with a second consecutive win nice. and uh our pad we had 120 cuts in our pad in our championship round and uh, the other three pads combined in the championship round those guys had the total of 40 cuts combined so we had three times more cuts than everybody else combined. And uh, so we, you know, it was pretty spectacular. And that's when people are like, holy cow, these guys, they can really, 
you know, really build something. And, you know, it's not, it's not all me. And it's, I got, I got a team of good guys that are, you know, and because we work together daily, we can talk about this and, and really have a good flow of, of what's happened. So COVID took it away in 2020, 2021, we came, we, we're back at H and A again, and now um, I'm all of a sudden now I'm friends with a lot of people there. I mean, it's you're really starting to increase your um, um, your your networking yeah. and whatnot. And so we win it again in 2021. So three years in a row, and they're like, "Okay, Dan, um, sorry, but you guys are done." <laughs> and it's like, "Hey," they're like you're a, you're you're a judge now and so so you know 2022 go back and and go back and i'm and i'm judging the competition you know with you know and and, and I'm, I'm judging it with legends of the industry right so it's cool to be hanging out with with these type of people you know people that i've looked up to for years that have you know you know and run successful businesses and and now i'm 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 hanging out with them and having dinner with them and and whatnot so um, it's been a good journey. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, is there somebody out there that can do a better job at the competitions? You know, probably, possibly, I don't know. But the thing is, is just being there and doing that gained me some, some real national notoriety. And, and, and when I go to H&A again, you know, just to be judged and do different things, um, you know, you really, you get some, some accolades that you really, you know, you never thought you would have gotten, you know, 25 years ago when you, when you buy a little hardscape company. Definitely. That's an incredible story. So would you say like the biggest thing that you yourself or the business got out of it would be that network where you were able to leverage, I guess, um, the recognition through the competition uh, to create a larger network for yourself within the industry? it's definitely helped. Um, you know, and I have a lot of people now, um, in my phone, right. I mean, just yesterday I was talking to, you know, Steve Jones, that was the founder of pave tech. He has fortress edging now. Um, you know, these are, you know, there's people like that that are in my contacts now that I can reach out and talk to about questions about, um, about different equipment or different things that happen, you know, and as, and, and as part of that national, you know, recognition. I wasn't just, I mean, it was, you know, you're recognized by peers, you're recognized by other legends of the industry, but it really, um, it really boosted my involvement um, with ICPI, which isn't ICPI anymore. It's the CMHA, the Concrete Masonry Hardscape Association. And so as, as people there took note and said, Hey, here's a, you know, an, you know, another, they've got some big contractors that are involved in, in, uh, in, I, I'm always going to call it ICPI because it's been that way for I don't know how many years. Getting CMHA to roll off my tongue isn't going to work, but um, you know they've got large contractors involved, and they really wanted some smaller contractors um, involved, and so um, I ended up uh, <clears throat> I got asked to to help uh, be on a task group to rewrite the uh, the concrete paver installer manual, rewrite the test. And so I'm like, okay, so I flew back to their office and, and I'm sitting in a room with, again, I, I'm sitting in a room with some pretty legendary people and I'm helping, you know, to rewrite the book and, you know, and, and, you know, being an instructor for that course, you know, I was very familiar with it. 
And so as, as I'm doing stuff like that, more and more stuff comes in. And so all of a sudden now I'm a, a voting contractor member of ICPI slash CMHA, um, which is now merged with uh, NCMA, right. the National Concrete Masonry Association. Hence, the, that's why they had to change the name. But uh, <clears throat> and again, so now I'm voting member, so I'm a, you know I'm part of that vote as far as how that that takes place. Um, and so I ended up um, on the education committee um, for <clears throat> ICPI, and so then ended up on the hardscape construction committee. And um, after being involved in that, I'm the vice chair now of the hardscape construction committee, which then starting next year, I'll be the chair of that committee for, for two years. And then um, as another committee that they, that they, that they put together is a, it's a certification committee, which is really, really big for, I think the hardscape industry. And what the certification committee is doing, <clears throat> it's actually led by um, Gary Stowe of Stowe Contracting um, out of Monterey, California. Shout out to him for all the work he's doing. But <clears throat> as part of rewriting um, these the courses, they're, they're making the test um, meet ISO standards, which is the International Organization of Standards which now makes it a national trade. And so if you can, I mean, I don't know that it'll get to the level of a plumbers and electricians type situation, but your, your certification right now for your, your, your certification from ICPI as a certified installer, you're certified by ICPI. What this is going to do is change it to a national certification. And by doing that, that should elevate the whole the whole hardscape industry and actually make it a viable trade as opposed to, you know, just, Hey, you know, let's face it. You know, there's a lot of guys that don't make it through high school or whatever, you know, that are end up in the hardscape industry, right? This is actually a viable, it's, it should make it a viable trade. And so with that, we're reworking. I just got done uh, a couple months ago. We did the, the segmental retaining wall, um, the, the test for that, um, they're working on one for MSV, uh, manufactured stone veneer, and then they're going to redo the one for the permeable paver. I'm going to work on the, on the permeable paver, um, one as well. So all these, all these trades are going to, are going to have some, some, some national credibility, which will be, should be huge for the industry. I love that. And I know that, uh, a lot of people have been wanting to see this for some time and, um, I think it's super important for the industry on the flip side of things with that. Uh, and another part of my brain is like, um, I've never gone through the ICPI certification. I know a bunch of guys that haven't and they still do amazing work. And I feel like uh, even though, you know, it's elevated to that trade status, maybe there's guys that will, will be left out that uh, won't be able to come into it. Um, but on the, and then going back to the other side, I think it's still more important to elevate this industry to that trade status and have that certification and everything. Um, your thoughts on that, just, just to pick your brain on that a little bit there. So, you know, there's, there's all kinds of Facebook groups and stuff out there, right. Where you get information good, bad, and different from people. And, uh, you know, a lot of people poo poo the, the, the 
ICPI certification. It's like, oh, it doesn't do any, it doesn't do me any good. It doesn't get me any jobs. ICPI never sends me any leads. No, that's not their job. They don't send you the leads. So they provide you with the education to do the job correctly. Now, and it's not, it's not, this isn't um, just no, somebody saying, no, I think this is how we should do it. Right. I mean, what, I think what people in the industry don't understand is all of the whole process is tested. Right. And it's constantly being evaluated. I mean, there's pavement engineering labs that are testing different materials, different things. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a, it's an engineered science that goes into doing interlocking concrete pavers and permeable pavers correctly. So getting that education, understanding how pavers work and why they work, will, I mean, that will affect how you install pavers in the future. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know how many classes I've taught, but, you know, I've had guys, well, I'm just taking, I'm just, I already know what I'm doing. I'm just taking the class because I just, I just want the certification. And, you know, they're shopping for trucks on their phone and this and that, and they fail the test, right? Because you're not learning what's important, right? Yeah, picking up a paver and setting a paver in sand is not rocket science, right? But understanding everything that goes into how it has to be done correctly is huge. And so, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big proponent for education and, you know, take that certificate, you know, if you get that, that ICPI slash NCMA certification, um, that certification will follow you as, you know, to this new ISO standards there, it's being grandfathered in. And so it's, it's a, it's a, I think it's a, it, everybody should be doing it. I mean, everybody should be taking, at least somebody, you know, on the crew should be, should be certified. So everybody on the crew is, you know, doing things correctly. Mm -hmm. Would you say uh, it might be better before it does hit that ISO, ISO standard to get the ICPI to be grandfathered in? Do you think it'll be more difficult in the future to become certified? Mm, it will and it okay. won't. And and then here's, so, so this is the way this will work. <clears throat> okay. Um, so with the ISO certification, one of the things that's, you know, is to, to meet ISO requirements, you know, we had to, that you had to have a task group that re, a task group of industry experts is what they call it. <laughs> so, um, but you have to have the task group of industry experts that, you know, basically puts together a test. The test has to meet certain qualifications as far as there's no true or false questions anymore. Um, <clears throat> the all of the wording has to be very close to the same amount. It's all multiple choice, A, B, C, or D. There's no more, you can't have all of the above, A and B only. It, you have to be able to pick one answer. And so um, when going through the tests and you know, rewriting all that, we had to, we had to meet all of those, all those qualifications. So then once the test is redone, the manual is redone. Part of ISO standards is you have to be able to challenge the course. So right now you, in order to be ICPI certified, you have to take the course to get the certification. Well, <clears throat> you're going to be able to challenge that and say, no, I just want to take the test. And if I get a passing score, I don't have to take the course. Well, great. But um, having a little bit of insight on what questions are on the test, because I have my fingers in on a lot of them, right? Um, there's a lot of technical information in there um, numbers, um, you know, tolerances, there's a lot of things in there that you aren't going to know from just from experience, you know, going out laying in the field, you could lay pavers for 20 years, but if you've never actually been formally taught, you know, what, what you need to know. 
you may not pass the uh, the the test just without taking the course. So definitely, and and even though I haven't done the certification, I'm a I'm a big f- proponent of education. I've got all the ICPI handbooks. I've read them all, so uh, it still is something that is super important to not only the industry but individuals to to be able to educate themselves on exactly what you're saying there. Um, one thing that I hear often, I guess, about ICPI is uh, the talk around open graded base, hybrid base, kind of whatever you want to call that, that three quarter inch angular crushed uh, base with the quarter inch crushed on top, how it's it's still not quite recognized by ICPI as a uh, base to install. Um, your thoughts on that, Dan? Do you use open graded base in your business? And uh, what are your thoughts around ICPI and uh, my th- my uh, assumption is that they're still testing it and they're still wanting to see the the uh, that in the future, essentially. It, it, yeah. And, and oh, hot topic. Yeah, for me. Hot <laughs> that's topic why for I brought me. it up. I'm sorry um, to put you on the spot. So, yeah, no, no, no. I, and, and I will give my opinion yep. on it. Um, and I got an, I got I have an opinion and I have an opinion based on on facts. And I know there's a lot of people doing it and a lot of people are going to be like, oh, you know, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, blah, blah, blah. Well, so prior to COVID hitting. Um, ICPI was actually trying to do some testing. Well, even years before that, probably <clears throat> I'm going to say eight years ago or so, a mass email went out from ICPI. Um, and they're like, hey, we want to look at some some of these hybrid open graded base installations where people are using um, polysand. And, you know, nobody said, hey, Mrs. Jones, we got a bunch of engineers that want to come tear up your patio and see if what we did is going to work or not. So they didn't, you know, they didn't get any, they didn't get any, any, any response from that. And so, um, you know, they gathered some funding and uh, right now, um, you know, COVID hit, which put a damper on things for a little bit, but last year there's a ICPI hired a contractor um, up in the Toronto area. And and they went to a paver manufacturing facility and they did, I believe it's nine parking stalls and they did them with um, open graded base chips, sand in the joints and the parking stalls are actually being used for employees. So they're simulating a real world driveway. And um, so they're not getting they're not getting used like you would with streets with all the ESA loads and everything that goes into uh, into um, into testing, you know, parking lots and streets. It's just, this is more kind of replicating a, a residential driveway. And so they got it installed and they're literally, it's they're they're on a three month schedule to go back and monitor everything and, and see how it's going to work. Well, they got it done, um, uh, August of last year and, you know, up it, winter hit in November. So they had very little monitoring before everything froze solid. And uh, so as it thaws out, um, you know, they're going to do doing more and more testing. Um, early indications right now are not looking very promising because you have a, you know, when you do your open graded bases, you got a 40% um, air void in there, which is a lot of space for your for your sand, your joint sand to drop into. And I know I hear guys like, well, yeah, it takes about 20% more, 25% more poly sand to do that. No, 
it's you got a 40 percent airspace underneath there there's a whole lot more and so you know if that polysand doesn't hydrate fully um and you know to the full depth of the paver <clears throat> okay it has the ability to fall down in there which now is going to reduce your interlock and what you have in there the other the other aspect to the open graded base is um you know water takes the path of least resistance okay so you're basically creating a swimming pool underneath your underneath your pavers and if you have water sitting underneath there constantly, you know, and it may not be up right touching the bottom of your pavers, but, you know, a lot of guys are saying, well, we're just going to use the polysand and then it won't fall through. But your polysand is going to constantly be hydrated from that water that's underneath, right? And polysand, it's hard when it dries, but when polysand gets wet, it softens back up again. So if it softens back up, that's all the more, you know, you can keep losing stuff out of the bottom um, and middle range of your pavers without even seeing it on the surface. So, I mean, step one is if you're going to do a permeable system, do a permeable system, right? I mean, don't, don't use polysand or you need to get a drain pipe in there to get the water out. So you're not, you know, creating a, a, a basically a swimming pool underneath your pavers. Um, and so this is a, I, I you know, I don't know that this is going to be the future or if there's a, you know, if there's some other things to, that will take place. I mean, one of the things that's been mentioned is, okay, we do open graded base. We put down fabric, we lay the pavers on top of that and then put poly sand in the joints, blah, blah, blah. And there's been some testing done on that and they're finding poly sand, you know, if it doesn't or regular joint sand, if, if it doesn't, um, stay in a joint it can actually migrate underneath the pavers and so there's a lots i mean this isn't just you know looking at somebody's backyard i mean there's shape tables and and gig i mean this is pavement engineering laboratories that are doing at, at universities that are doing this type of testing and so it's not uh it's not just uh, some guy in his backyard saying yeah i think this will work or not so um uh, I'm, I'm skeptical of it i mean i hope it works out because it's it'll be great i mean it definitely changes how things are installed but the flip side of all that is um you know i i i had uh, i got a call you know years ago um two years ago or so to uh to be an expert witness um on a job site that went incredibly wrong and you know i'm looking at this and i'm thinking man if if somebody has a problem, okay, and a problem that ends up going to court, and if you've done dense graded base C33 concrete sand, a scientific proven way of doing it, you know, you say, hey, yeah, we were doing this right. But to my knowledge, and um, to the best of anybody that I've been able to talk to at ICPI, which is their engineering staff, there isn't any proven data that you could back up that says, yeah, hey, open graded bases with polysand is going to work and that's where you could get into a big problem you know in the future so i mean i won't be popular with a lot of people for saying that but you know because a lot of people are going that way but um i have i have i have my doubts gotcha i just want to take a break from today's episode to talk about our sponsor cycle cpa 
You may have a CRM or project management software in place, but what data are you using to ensure your estimating is accurate? Having a proper accounting setup and accurate bookkeeping done is key to understanding overhead expenses and other costs that must be recouped in your estimates. Cycle CPA is a remote bookkeeping and CFO firm that helps to connect the dots from the financial reports to the hardscape and landscape data needed in order to reach high profits. They provide landscape and hardscape industry benchmarking, job costing financials by service line, advisory meetings, and much more. Cycle CPA's team of accountants are specialized within the hardscape and landscape industry, and you can visit them at cyclecpa.com and for $200 off, mention the How to Hardscape podcast. Now back to our episode. And thank you for answering that uh, there. And since we're on the topic uh, fairly quickly, uh, another type of base which has become more and more popular is a synthetic base, something like Gator Base, uh, Easy Base, yeah. things like that. What are your thoughts on this? As well as there, for the past few years or so, there's uh, Easy Click Base, which is rated for driveways as well. Um, any, any thoughts on using that? Have you used it yourself and, and your own thoughts on this? Well, I haven't used it. I was going to use it. Um, I was actually going to try. Um, um, I don't know if I want to use brand names or not. But anyway, I was going to use one of the geophone bases right on on a job. And I penciled it out. And it really, you know, when they pencil it out, it's a cost savings, right? You save all this money. And when I penciled it out, I'm like, I'm not really saving anything. And so, you know, I just went ahead and and because I, I really it was a it was a backyard with limited access and I'm like this might be a good chance to use it and and it just it didn't quite pencil out enough to where it was worth the uh, I'm gonna call it a gamble right and so another one of these things is <clears throat> again being involved in the construction committee at ICPI there's there's access to a lot of different information and one of the hot topics um, that we put to bed about at the last meeting was um, there was one of the one of the geophone manufacturers wanted to become um, ICPI approved. Uh, they want to be an, an improved installation method. And we're like, great, we need 10 projects. Um, that was, that's, that's the standard requirement. We need 10 projects that we can go look at and see if they're, if they're holding up. And they failed to provide 10 projects. And it was like, okay, well, if you're not going to provide the projects, okay, um, how about this? Why don't you, you know, okay, you give me 100 square feet of it. I'll add on to my patio at home and we'll try it out. And there was three or four guys in the committee that were willing to do that. And they weren't willing to give up, you know, they weren't willing to give away, you know, 400 square feet of, of their product um, that could actually have some, you know, some people in the committee actually sit there and, and, and test it. And so, you know, it's like, okay, we don't have the, we don't have the, the job sites to go look at. We're not getting the material. Um, I guess we're just going to put this thing to bed and say, no, we're not going to, we're not going to prove it. So I think it's more of a, a, you know, a homeowner application. I know there's some contractors that have done it. Um, and, uh, you know, I look at it as, you know, you got to go through all the work of, you still have to do some excavating. Then you got to put down sand, scrape the sand all out to lay the, the, the geofoam on and then put your pavers on top. And it's like, I don't see the labor savings in it so much, but you know, there might be a little bit, but is it worth it? I mean, you know, again, I'm looking at if I can have something that's, that's proven and, you know, something with documentation that backs up that this, 
that this system works. And do I want to, you know, go to something different? And if I have a problem, you know, nobody, the only people that went in a lawsuit is the, is, is the lawyers, right? Even if you, even if you win, even if you win, you still have all this time and money defending yourself just to say, yeah, Hey, I won. You know, so it's not worth it to me. Gotcha. I'll, I'll just say I, I've used uh, synthetic base quite a bit. I do enjoy it. Um, that being said, where I'm at, I'm actually in Toronto. Uh, they just, uh, Ontario enforced a new rule where it's a little bit more difficult now to get rid of soil. So in those cases where uh, it's going to become in the future more and more difficult to get rid of soil, the less soil we excavate, the easier it is, as well as we're dealing with a lot of tight access. So in our situations, as well as my business model, I, I definitely see the savings, but it's definitely not for everybody. And it's, it doesn't work in every situation, kind of like what you were saying there as well. Yeah. Oh, I get rid of dirt. Yeah. I, I get rid of dirt. for Yeah, free. exactly. So it's, it's uh... like, I mean, I mean, I got getting rid of dirt is easy for me. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, that's not, you know, and, and nobody stocks the geofoam around uh, here um, in my area because nobody's nobody's gone to that yet. I mean, I got a I have a pretty good mixture of soils where I'm at. Um, you know, I can work in pure sand. I can work in clay. I can work in, um, you know, uh, cobble, round rock, cobble, you know, riverbed type situation. So um, depending on what part of town I go in, what direction I go, uh, you know, I can I can work with all kinds of different soils. So. Um, you know, we might find an application for it. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. Dan, thank you so much for answering those questions, though. I, I do really appreciate yeah. it. And uh, continuing on, I, I do have one more question about your involvement there. And then we got to kind of blaze through yeah. a bunch of questions really quick here. So I don't take up too sure. much of your time. <laughs> um, your involvement with with ICPI and everything that you've got going on with all those committees you're a part of in the education and not to mention your own business and not to mention uh, your own family. How do you balance this all? Um, it's tough. <laughs> I mean, well, my kids, you know, so, I mean, my kids are gone, you know, they've moved out of the house. Um, you know, I got one in Seattle, one in San Diego. So, um, you know, you see them, you see them three, four, five times a year. Right. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, and my wife's, you know, she's involved in the business. She, you know, takes care of the, you know, payroll and, and does our books and whatnot. And, you know, she was giving me, I'm not going to lie. She was giving me some flack um, because there's a lot of, you, you, you spend a lot of time, you know, well, you know, so I got to fly to H&A every year. And then, you know, ICPI has their summer meeting and they have their winter meetings. And so I'm flying to those meetings um, and, uh, and participating in that. But, you know, I always, what I remind her is, you know what? the industry has been really good to us. I mean, we made a very comfortable living or, you know, essentially since day one, um, we've done well. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're not, you know, looking at, you know, when's the next check coming in? Um, you know, so I look at it as, okay, industry has been good to me. I want to give back to the industry. And, you know, up until, you know, we started, um, you know, getting some, some notoriety, you know, from being at H&A and, and, and winning, I never really realized, you know, how much I could actually contribute back to the industry. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, you know, it's take, 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 but there's a, if, if, if you don't know 
and you, you know, go to the winter meetings or the summer meetings that, I, that ICPI has, and there's 34 different committees and meetings that happen. And there's 400 people there. And these are all people, you know, some of them are, you know, a lot of them are contractors, you know, there's reps from, you know, the paver machine manufacturers, reps from, you know, the paver manufacturers, block manufacturers, um, dyes, chemicals, all these different people that are all involved in the industry. And, you know, that's basically donating their time and, and their resources to help better the industry. And uh, I don't really think that most of the contractors realize how much goes into making all of this work. And, you know, you don't, I don't think they understand where the industry would be without all the efforts of that all these people are putting in. I mean, you go to, you know, Mexico or, or some of these, you know, countries that aren't as developed as the U S and you look at their building standards and, and how they build things. And, you know, that's where, that's where the paver industry could be without, you know, people being involved in ICPI. So. Okay. I lied. I have one more question about this. Um, <laughs> what, what are some assumptions that you had before you started uh, being involved with ICPI and going to HNA and all these things? What are some assumptions that you had, if any, about ICPI that were proven wrong as soon as you kind of start to get more involved with ICPI and starting to get uh, attending these meetings and that if you had any assumptions beforehand? Um, you know, I knew that there was I knew that there was, you know, a lot going on behind the scenes, but you really don't know. You, I mean, and I was I've been a member of ICPI for for years um, and it, it was just up in, you know, the last four years or so that I really stepped up and became a voting contractor member. I was just an affiliate member, which, I mean, I'm going to give a plush to anybody that's involved in the paper industry. If you've ever sold or installed a paver, I think you at least owe, owe ICPI the, the, you know, a, an affiliate member that's $450 a year. I mean, if every contractor contributed that kind of money, what, what else could they do? How big could they make the industry? But, but what you really don't see is what happens behind the scenes um, with all these people doing different things, I mean, they're they're pushing to get pavers in in you know all the municipal areas, pushing for permeable pavers. Um, they've got they're fighting to get more H two B workers into the United States, so we have more labor pool. Um, you know, all the testing and materials um, and all the stuff that happens. I mean, it's it's a massive undertaking to build and grow this industry, and you know really concrete pavers have only been in the United States since, you know, the mid 1970s. And so building this industry, this industry is in its infancy right now compared to uh, other parts of the world. And, you know, it's, it'll, it'll build, it's going to grow. And it's kind of exciting to see, you know, where it's gone, you know, the last 25 years that I've been involved in it and, and, and how much farther it'll go before I finally uh, hang up my work gloves. Dan, uh, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but there are some questions that I always okay. need to get to. So I think we'll skip through a bunch of sure. the pre-discussed questions there. Maybe maybe <laughs> save those for another time, uh, perhaps. 
Sure. But uh, I, I guess we'll we'll stick with those few questions that I always ask here. Uh, one of them sure. being a horror story that you've had in business. And the reason why I ask this is we have uh, a lot of people starting out in the industry listening, people just getting started or wanting to start their own business. So just to let them know what can happen as a business owner is always a great thing. And it maybe help them put things in place that helps them, you know, prevent things from happening. But Dan, do you have a horror story that you'd want to share with us? You know, we could go for, we could go for hours on horror stories. Um, you know, most of my, most of my horror stories are, I think involve, um, just particular customers that I just, I don't see eye to eye with, I guess. Um, and, um, you know, it takes a long time to trust your gut to figure out whether, whether you're a good fit with the customer or not. And, uh, um, you know, and I did some, I, I don't know, I, I can go on for horror stories forever, but you know, I got a lot of, had customers that you just, you know, you can't wait to be done with them. Um, I've had customers that never became customers that, you know, are calling me at six, seven, eight o'clock at night, nine o'clock at night. And they want to change this. They want to change that. And we're not even, we haven't even stepped foot on the job site to start working yet. And, you know, um, I had a lady that I was losing sleep over. And I just said, you know what? I haven't even, I haven't broke ground on her job. I haven't even have a contract signed with her yet. Uh, we're still in the, we're still in the, in the design process. And the only word she knew in English very well was too, uh, too expensive. She could speak that fluently, but everything else she had a problem with. Right. And I was losing sleep and I was like, you know what? It's gotta be done. It's like, we're, I cut ties to it. I'm like, you gotta, you gotta find somebody else. Um, you know, but you know, and I've had, there's been a lot of commercial jobs where, where I've had, um, some, I could give you some horror stories on, um, you know, my second year in business, I had a, uh, my, my supplier because he wanted to sell this job really pushed for me to go after this job. And it was a, it was a 84,000 square foot paver job, five hours from my house. And so that was, and, and, and it was a federal prevailing wage job or Davis bacon job. So now the wages are, you know, basically double what my guys were normally making at the time. And so he, he pushed hard to get me into that, you know, to get me to bid that job. And, uh, looking back, I'm like, you know, I really didn't have any business bidding that job. I got the job, you know, and we we made money on the job, but not nearly enough to make it worthwhile. But, um, you know, just I don't know. There's there's you could have horror stories forever. I'm sorry, but it's no. like, you know, they could, they could go on for days. Absolutely. So, absolutely yeah uh final couple questions here any uh people that you want to give a shout out here on the podcast that have helped you along the way i know you mentioned kirk there who uh helped you at the very beginning any other people that you want to give a shout out here that have helped you online offline or look to inspiration anything like that yeah um you know one of my one of my one of my big ones i have to say andrew veer um you know i met him i don't know about 10 years ago he taught my permeable paper class and uh so I met him there. And then, uh, when he ended up going to work for Technoseal, um, you know, he came up and, and we did a, a, a dry bond job and he came up and with a, a group of other people and, and it was kind of the first dry bond job in our area. So he was there 
And, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of, um, positive accolades came from him along the way. Um, and then of course, then I'd see him as a, you know, I'd see him at H and A as a judge and, and, and along the way. And now he's, you know, another one of those people is just in my phone, somebody I can call or text or have a conversation with. I mean, again, you know, Steve Jones from pay that, well, he used to have Paytech. He's got Fortress Edging now. Again, another one of those people that, you know, you can call him up, um, you know, Frank Gandora, creative hardscape set on Colorado, um, you know, Chuck Taylor, Ryan Taylor, um, from, uh, old castle decorative paving, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, I looked up to them along the way and, and, you know, now I've kind of gotten to a position where they're not just mentors. Now they're, you know, they're becoming my peers. Right. And it's a, it's a really good feeling to be able to, you know, to, to, to be able to have dinner and, 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 you know, drinks and rub elbows with, with these type of, of, of individuals, you know, it's, it's, it's humbling and it's very rewarding at the same time. Absolutely. And it's uh, just to be able to hear your story, Dan, it's been a privilege to be able to talk to you about everything that you've got going on, the things that you're giving back to the industry. Uh, I just wanted to say that before we get into our final question here, which is a big one. And that is uh, what is one thing, you know, now that you wish you knew from the very beginning? There's a lot of things that I wish I knew. Um, but, uh, I have, uh, I have a saying that I used in a lot of my, uh, in a lot of the, when I'm teaching, you know, either the ICPI classes, the SRW classes or whatever, but, um, not every customer is a good customer. And some of your best customers are the ones you let your competitors take. Okay. And by that, it's like, you know what, if you're not a good fit and they're, you know, let your competitors deal with this pain in the butt individual and move on to something that's going to make you, that's going to make you money and, and help you thrive as an individual, help you thrive as a company. You know, you don't want these customers that are going to, that are going to drag you down. Let somebody else have those. Dan, thank you so much for your time today. That's a great way to end it there. Uh, I could talk to you for many more hours, but uh, I think this is a good, uh, good way to stop this first one here, at least. Um, Dan, where can our audience go find you? Uh, where do you want to send them to? Anywhere, anywhere that you want to, uh, them to go to find out more about you, what you got going on, or anything else? So, website is uh, segmentalsystems.com. And yes, I know the website needs updated. Um, you know, it's one of those things I'll never get around to doing. Maybe I will. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, and then uh, I do have a Facebook page um, and an Instagram page, but I am the probably the worst guest you will ever have on your show about updating Facebook and Instagram. So um, I'm not a social media person that way. Um, and then, you know, I don't know when this is going to air, but, uh, you know, May 5th, um, I'll be in Billings, Montana with uh, Belgard. And we're actually going to do a, a hands-on retaining wall and patio build from the ground up and, you know, teach everybody how to, how to install pavers and retaining walls correctly in a, in a, in a one day, eight hour event. So amazing. I'll make sure this airs before May 5th there. And, uh, that being said, uh, for our audience listening, we'll send you to uh, Dan's Instagram page and maybe pester him to be more active on Instagram. Get him posted a little <laughs> bit more there. So uh, that's Segmental Systems yeah. on Instagram there, Dan? 
I believe it. I think it's at segmental systems. Okay. Yeah. And if not, Again, the link will be I'm in the show seeing... notes for our audience listening that you can just click there. Dan, thank you so much for listening, for joining me here. I appreciate it. Yes. Thanks for having me on. I really i am honored to be here. Thank you for listening to today's podcast episode. Once again, thank you to Dan Hughes of Segmental Systems for coming on today's episode for this I Am A Hardscaper interview. And thank you to our sponsors, Cycle CPA. If you need bookkeeping, accounting, CFO services, reach out to Cycle CPA, www.cyclecpa.com. Let them know how to hardscape sent you for $200 off their services there. And if you need GPS tracking in your business for your work vehicles, equipment, and so on, reach out to GPS Track It at GPS trackit.com slash how to hardscape. And we look forward to meeting with you next week on the how to hardscape podcast.